to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. started. Lord, we just thank you that we can gather tonight and hear your word. We pray for everybody here and everybody who's going to hear this, that it touches their heart and that they learn something from it. And whoever needs to hear it, hear it, Lord, and open our hearts and minds and protect us in everything that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to thank Pastor Tom for allowing me to speak. Um, there are many times that I get to speak that I don't thank Pastor Tom for the opportunity. I'm usually nervous up here, and I just get to the teaching and leave, kind of like when I make announcements up here. I say it and dart, you know? <laughs> but um, I want to thank Pastor Tom for allowing me to speak up here and for trusting me to pour into you guys' life. Um, with that being said, I want to apologize to my church family. In previous teachings, I lied to you and told you I was in the Word, and I wasn't. I was covering myself to not have people know where I was at at that time. I know I am held accountable to a higher standard being a teacher and preacher of the word of God. And I want to apologize for misleading you and for hiding the truth from you. It may seem small to you, but it's a big deal because you're trusting what I tell you. And at this pulpit, the truth should come out and not lies. And so... I do Bible study with my kids every, almost every day in um, school. But spending that quality time with God um, slowed down to a complete stop with my own time with him. I made my husband an idol. and placed him first before God and wrapped my life around him instead of putting God first. And keeping it, um, keeping at it, even when things got better for us and better in life in general, and I even allowed the cold weather as an excuse not to spend time with God. I know that seems silly, but I like to spend time with God outside. And so, um, I was in adultery, selfishness, fear, and so on, and I wanted to apologize for telling you something that was not the truth in my life and covering up like with fig leaves to, you know, and, uh, and I will be honest from this day forward, and I want to preach and teach God's word and not be a fake or a hypocrite. So, I'm sorry for doing that. 
That is not my teaching, but I wanted to apologize and make things right before I went into the Word. Okay? So, um, I want to thank everyone who came to hear God's Word today, and for all who couldn't make it and who will be listening later on on the website. You can go to mytcvc.com. Those are all lowercase. And SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash mytcvc to get all the sermons from Wednesday and Sundays. And we also have Sunday teachings on our Facebook page at Treasure Coast Victory Center, um, which you can watch actual videos and daily um, teachings from there that Pastor Tom uh, blesses us with every day, except for Sundays, because he's teaching here. So today, we will be learning about the prodigal son um, tonight, and we will be diving deeper into the story, gaining more understanding of what the verses actually mean. Um, in college, I grabbed a hold of somebody's, um, I guess, like a revelation or, or what they thought um, the prodigal son meant, and I ran with it. And when I was asking God to show me what to teach about, prodigal son just kept coming to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to tell him what I found out. And he actually taught me. He taught me the real meaning, because sometimes we can be easily persuaded by what we hear other people um, teach us, or, oh, yeah, that sounds good, and we can run with it, okay? Even as an adult, kids will do that, but even as an adult, we can run with um, those things and believe them as if they are true, and I ran with it. And so uh, in this teaching, I learned that I ran with it and that uh, the original meaning was the true meaning. And then we're going to just dive into it and just a little bit more understanding of what it means. So um, we've all been a prodigal son at some point. Um, and you may know someone who is a prodigal son now. So let's turn to Luke um, chapter 15. Verses 11, well, verse 11, sorry. And the title in my book, I don't know what's in yours, is The Lost Son. And we're going to read chapter 11, and it says, And he said, A certain man who had two sons. Now, this is all in red, so this is Jesus speaking. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of good goods that follow to me. And he divided unto them his living. So living, I always thought, was like his inheritance. You know, get his inheritance, all this money, and run. Well, actually, uh, living... When you look it up, let me see if I have, uh, in the concordance, it's number 979. I did not put that in my notes. Number 979, that actually means life. Uh, 
and we have a precious gift we call life. It is delicate, precious, and we could do so much with the gift that was given to us to be here. And we'll continue on to 13. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So I wanted to uh, explain to you what riotous living means, and that is freedom to do as one ought. A prodigal, as in this verse, is one who slides easily under the fatal influence of flatterers and temptations with which he has surrounded himself and spends freely on his own lusts and appetite. Um, and that's in the lexical aids, um, number 810. If you do any kind of studying, you can look that up. So we see here he was given life just like we were. And we can all understand the freedom to do what we want to do was given to us and the temptations we fell for, all the things that we, you know, did before we got saved. And verse 14, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And this is, want is number 5302 in the concordance, and it means to be inferior, fall short, be deficient, come behind or come short, be destitute, fail, lack, suffer need, be in want, or be the worse. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would fain. And would fain is number 1937 in the concordance. You're going to hear a lot of numbers. If you want to write them down, look them up. Um, would fain means to set the heart upon look for rightfully or otherwise, covet, desire, would fain, and lust after, and have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish in hunger? Notice that... No man gave unto him. There is nothing in this world that can satisfy us. No man can give us anything to satisfy us. No person, no job, no place, no nothing. It's only God himself. And so he was like, what am I doing? My father has enough bread to spare to me, and I'm perishing with hunger right here. What am I doing? So I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, how many of you guys have said, well, I'm going to figure out a way to make it right. And that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, which is our repentance prayer, right? And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So Romans Chapter 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. So how many of us have been a prodigal son? All of us in here? Um, if you're not saved yet, then we give ourselves into the desires of the flesh. And when we are saved, if we're not careful, we give ourselves to the desires of the flesh, the world, and our own desires and wants. And we are hitting rock bottom because without Jesus, we have nothing. We have to come to ourselves and make a change. Um, a lot of times we don't see the changes that need to be made. Uh, we will notice the plank in our brother's eye, our sister's eye, somebody else's eye before we notice where we need to work on ourselves and um, make the changes that need to be made. The hardest thing to do is look at yourself. That is the absolute hardest thing to do because we're so used to looking out here at what everybody else is doing. It's hard to go, oh, what am I doing? And what do I need to change? And sometimes we can look at our sins as if they're not as bad as someone else's sins. Like a murderer, I'm not as bad as a murderer. But if I have hate in my heart towards my brother, that is considered murder. Okay, so even though the action doesn't match, you know, doesn't mean the thought isn't in the same um, direction. So um, Billy Graham stated, a sin is any thought or action that falls short of God's will. So in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 28, uh, is titled Sin Begins in the Heart, will show us an example of how our thoughts can lead to sin. It tells us that whosoever looketh at a woman to lust after her, which means to set the heart upon, long for, rightfully or otherwise, covet, desire, would fain, or lust after, has committed adultery with her already in his heart. He's already done it. And so the heart here is thoughts or feelings, and that is 2588 in the concordance. The mind, understanding, the will, the memory, because we can remember and play stuff in our minds. Um, the intention, affection, or desire, and it's our conscience. And that's in the lexical aid 2588 also. So it's not always the outer showing of ourselves that others can see that shows our sin. Things can be hidden inside that we need to deal with and make changes. And one way to not be tempted in the area that has you stuck in the action part of sin, where you can like clearly see it, is to uh, stay away from what is causing the temptation. And another way to handle the thought aspect of sin is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 3 through 5, that says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought 
to the obedience of Christ. So grabbing the thought immediately when it enters and casting it down right away is a task at times. It can be like, gosh, why won't it go away? You can do it like 15 times in a row. It's like, oh, it's like driving you crazy. But stick with it because you're taking that thought and you're casting it out. If it comes right back, just do it again, however long it takes. Just keep doing it. Um, don't let it continue to play in your mind. That's like you can get up in the morning and think of something and if you meditate on it all day long, you will ruin your entire day. By the end of the day, you're mad, you're upset, you're this, that, or whatever, and it started with a thought. Um, now, how many of you uh, rehearsed an argument in your mind for days? I have. Oh, my girls. <laughs> thinking that you should have said this differently or that and how you should have told them like it is if I would have said it this way. And then you'll hear back their end of the conversation. So ridiculous, but yes. Um, that can be easily stopped by grabbing a hold of it and telling yourself this is enough. Forgiving that person, even if you think you are right, and laying it down and giving it to God. So we have our part to do. Um, don't let thoughts run rampant in your mind all day without stomping them. Is it easy? Not always. But the more you notice it, um, the more you practice casting those things out and noticing what's coming, uh, you can get before God and ask him to help. He's always willing to help. Ask him to show you why you are heading down that path with your thoughts and ask what you can do differently in your life to change those, thought, those thoughts and keep them from happening. Um, then you are heading in the right direction. And um, sometimes there is a root cause. Uh, sometimes it's the enemy uh, planting those thoughts. Or sometimes it's just our own, our own self-thinking of it, bringing it back up, digging it up, just, okay, so those are different things um, you can do, the physical sin and the thought, pro the thought part of sin. And so let's go back to verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. I love this story because even though God didn't chase after him because we have our free will, he was always looking for him. Always waiting. Always looking. All the time. Where's my boy? Where's my boy? Just longing for him to come home. And his father saw him and had compassion. Um which means to have the bowels yearn, feel sympathy, to have pity, to be moved with compassion. And that's 4697 in the concordance, if you want to look that up. Um, the theological terms definition of compassion is to sympathize, to suffer with, a desire to help others, and assist them arising from perceiving suffering, being moved by it, and alleviating it, a response of the mind, will, 
and emotions. I love that compassion means alleviating it and that it is a response of the mind, will, and emotions, um, which tells us our mind, and will, and emotions. God has mind, will, and emotions. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fattest, fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed, and in this um, definition killed is to sacrifice, the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. <laughs> Sometimes we can be jealous of the person, you know, we could be saved for 15, 20, 30, 50 years, whatever, and then the new person comes in, you know, we can be jealous of, you know, look what they did. How come I don't get what they get? Um, but you have access to everything. And, um, but as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, Thou hast killed for him the fattest calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. And all that I have is thine. It is meat necessary as binding. Number 1163. That we should make merry which means rejoice, 2165, and be glad for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, which means to recover life and was lost, which means to destroy fully, to perish or lose, die in his found. So what a type and shadow of what God was planning for Jesus to do for us because at this point Jesus hadn't um, gone to the cross as of yet because it's in red he spoke it as we celebrate Christmas this year we have a lot to be thankful for we have life so precious given to us we have a king Jesus who came to dwell among us die for us and give us the gift of eternal life. A life spent with him in love and not in hell, a place that was not meant for us, but had to be expanded because of our rebellion against God. We have truly a special gift that keeps on giving for eternity. A gift that truly lasts forever. 
that's not wavering, not shifting, but steady, constant, and always available to us until Jesus comes back, and then we'll go. We don't know when Jesus is coming. We don't know when that is. But it could be soon. And we need to make a decision on what we are going to do. Are we going to live like the world? Or are we going to choose Jesus? Life, love, eternity with him. Hell is not a party as many may think it to be. I've heard that. I'm going to party with my friends in hell. How exciting. And when you know what it really is, you know, I used to laugh about it because I was ignorant. And, uh, but my heart's desire is for people to be saved, no matter how bad they are, no matter what they did to come to know him, to not be there because I know they're influenced by the world and they're influenced through hate. They hate people for things that, because they played in their mind over and over and over again, they hate people and then they do horrible things. Sometimes they're obviously under the influence of demonic things too. And if you look at them, how God sees them, and who they really are before all that stuff and all the influence and all the mean words that were ever spoken upon their life and everything that they were told that they really weren't. You're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that. And you really got to see who they are, how God sees them. You would want them saved too, no matter what they did. Okay. Um, hell is a place of torment, and it was not intended for us. But we can choose ourselves where we decide to go. And it's not, you're not going to go to heaven by doing good deeds and being a good person. That is good, okay, and needed in life, but you have to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's what the Bible tells us. Um, my husband has a friend. Well, he's our friend now, but it was his friend to start with because, you know, I didn't know him. Um, and when I first met my husband, I was talking to his friend about, um, you know, about being saved and all that, and he told me he was going to heaven because he was a good person and he helped people. But I knew he wasn't. If he died, I knew exactly where he would go. And I didn't want that for him. And sometimes you can't push when somebody's very adamant. I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. I don't care what you say. And so it bothered me. I talked to God about it, you know, and was hoping that, you know, he would change his mind. I didn't throw the Lord down his throat, um, but he knew what I believed, and he knew we went to church, and, 
you know, he knew those things. So um, as time went on, uh, we had a little incident, and so we didn't talk to him for a little while. And during that break in our friendship, um, I felt the Lord led me to go over to his house. I brought, I went over like three times within like 30 minutes because he only lives on the, or he did live on the street behind us. And so I gave him uh, Donald McNally's book. I don't remember which one, but I gave it to him. And he's like, well, I don't read. I'm like, oh, okay. So <laughs> it's a guy. I don't know. I like to read. So, <laughs> um, And so by the third time I go over there, I was like, you know it's God sending me here. And he goes, I know. I know you wouldn't be here unless he told you to be here because of the situation we were in. And so um, I asked him if he wanted to be saved. And he uh, said the prayer and got saved. And so I was really excited about that um, because I now know where he's going to be. And so his brother, which I actually known since I was eight or nine, something like that, before I ever knew him. I didn't know it was all linked together. Um, I saw him at Home Depot um, a few months back, and he asked me what I was doing. I told him I was uh, going to church, and he's like, well, don't preach at me, and I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person, and I help people. I'm like, this is the same thing your brother said, but I didn't say nothing. I said, okay. Um, so he is also on my list of people that I want to be saved and not perish because ignorance, I used to think ignorant, the word ignorant, when I was told you're so ignorant, I don't know if it was because of the way it was said to me. I never knew what it meant. I just knew it was like putting you down. But when I learned what ignorant means is just you really don't know. And so he's going by what he was taught, um, by whatever church he goes to or however he was brought up. And he's under that influence, just like what I said earlier when I got under the influence of what prodigal son meant, I was wrong. You know, and I had to learn it, and it was exactly what I thought it was to begin with. You know, you can get off the trail. Um, So... Uh, if you want to keep him in prayer, his name is Kevin. And um, so I know that the life that we have down here is a gift. It's a gift from God himself, and what we do with it is important. I'm really thankful that this prodigal son came to himself and realized, hey, I need to go back to the Father, and a lot of people don't realize that. And so uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 19 through 20 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice. And that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days. 
that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So God gives us two choices and told us which one his heart desires for us, and that is life. We just have to receive it and take hold of it. If that's you, that you have not received God as your Lord and Savior, or if you want to rededicate your life to God and make those changes, you know, to get back on the path and towards with God, um, I want you to say this prayer. Jesus, I receive you into my life as my Lord and Savior. I repent for my sins, and I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. I give my life to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, I just want to thank you, everybody who came, and um, I'll close in prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for all of us being here and for everybody who's listening, for all their lives, for all their friends' and family's life, and for everybody that you have in your heart. And I just pray that whoever is out there who is a prodigal son, that you speak to their heart and they come back and they choose you over the world in Jesus' name. And I pray protection over us on our way home and for everything that we do from this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen. the kingdom.